Hey, let's dive right in because we want to leave plenty of time at the end for baptisms. We have three baptisms that we're going to do tonight. If you were here last week, then you know we did um, five baptisms last week. And then guess what? We have several baptisms we're going to do next week on Resurrection Weekend, and it's going to be awesome. Amen? If you haven't signed up for the Seder, I want to encourage you to sign that up. I know Couture already did, but while I'm here and I'm in front of you, you got to do it. you got to sign up for it. Even if you've been before, God always does something new and fresh in you in the way he communicates to us through the Jewish Seder. Short of the long, Jewish Seder is the Last Supper. That's all I'll say. Okay? All right. So let's dive in. Most of you know that 2018, we're dedicating to getting back to the basics. We want to inspect our faith all the way down to its foundations and make sure that our foundations are firm. The month of March is all about the sacraments, uh, communion and baptism. And uh, I'm going to share one more week on baptism. And uh, again, we're going to be doing a couple of those tonight. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you with something that most people don't think about when they think of baptism. And so um, I'm really excited. I'm super excited. This, I was actually going to share this last week, but you remember the Lord gave me a fresh word relating to baptism. Um, but tonight I'm sharing what I was going to share last week. Let me go ahead and give you the title of this sermon. You ready? The washing of his word. Write that down. The washing of his word. And I'm totally pumped about my sermon in a sentence tonight. Okay, don't put it up there yet, bro. Girl. Girl. I thought long and hard about how to sum up this whole sermon in one sentence. And I'm ready to give it to you. Are you ready? You're not fully clean. Oh my gosh, some of you know it. You're not fully clean until you're Yeshua clean. But some of you remember the old commercial, Zest Soap. You guys remember that? You're not fully clean unless you're zestfully clean. You guys remember that? I was actually going to show you a couple of those commercials, but they showed a little bit too much skin, and I thought, well, that wouldn't be right to do. You know, everybody's stumbling in church because of Pastor Tony's sermon. So we're not going to do that. But that's my sermon in a sentence tonight. You're not fully clean unless you're Yeshua clean. Now, if you've never heard that word Yeshua, I'm replacing it for zestfully. Yeshua is the Hebrew name for Jesus. Yeshua is Messiah. Yeshua is our Savior. Amen. So let me launch tonight by reading in John chapter 1. And I want you to turn there because we're going to be there quite a while. I'm going to read. It's a lot to read. And so I'm going to read fast, but you guys, I always read fast. So you ready? We're going to start in, let's start in verse six, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Some of you are still turning. Well, I'll go ahead and start reading. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those 
who were his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory is the only begotten from the Father, full of grace, full of truth. John testified about him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is higher than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. I love that statement. Speak that over yourself real quick. Grace upon grace. Like wave it to you, that statement, that declaration, wave it at you. Grace upon grace. You can do that every day. (laughs) Greater grace. Build my faith. Even, uh, let's see, where were we? For his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, only the begotten. God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. Now, verse 19. I want to pick up right here, but look at me real quick. You read this, and we just read this aloud. John the Baptist is preaching, like he's bringing it. He's got a crowd around him. People have come out to him in the desert, and he's preaching this. He is the light, the only begotten son. He's preaching the gospel. He's preaching Yeshua. He's preaching Jesus. And then look right here in verse 19. It says, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to him, asking, hey, who are you? And he confessed, he didn't deny, but confessed, well, I'm not the Christ. John's just being honest, I'm not the Christ. They asked him, what then, are are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you the prophet? Nope. They said, well, who are you, so that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And John said, well, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah the prophet said. Verse 24 says, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. Ah, everybody say, ah. Explains it all, doesn't it? We'll get back to that. They had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him and said to him, why then are you baptizing? If you are not the prophet, if you are not um, Elijah, if you're not the Christ, why are you baptizing? Now, let's, let's pause and let me ask you a question. How many of you thought that John the Baptist invented baptism? Raise your hand. That's, that's, it's okay. You're the only one that raised your hand, Ed. I got to tell you, you're the only one in the room. No, it's because they're cowards. You are a brave man. No, there are plenty of people that think that John the Baptist came up with this thing called baptism. But actually, baptism at that time had been around for quite a while. It was a ceremony. Please hear me. Lots of details, moving through them fast. Baptism was a ceremony that the Jews would do for any Gentile that wanted to be converted into Judaism. Any Gentile, any non-Jew who wanted to worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You guys understand? And so if someone wanted to worship the one true God, the Jews would conduct a ceremony and they would baptize them. In other words, when a non-Jewish person wanted to follow the God of Israel and enjoy the entire benefits of Jewish community, they first had to be completely immersed in what's called a mikvah. 
A mikvah is, is like a pool of water. We'll come back to that. But their public immersion was all about a status change. Okay, for them, it was all about their purification. It was all about their restoration. It was about their qualification now to fully participate in the one true God. Okay, so for any Gentile, any non-Jewish person that would not go through this baptism, if they began practicing Judaism, what they would do is they would defile the whole community. You understand? So it was important. The Jews saw it important for them to be baptized or for them to go under the water in this mikvah. So let's talk about mikvah. If you want to know how to spell that, it's M-I-C-K-E-Y. I'm kidding. No, it's M-I-K-V-A-H. A mikvah is basically a collection of water. Any collection of water. It could be a swimming pool. It could be a river. It could be a lake. It could be a jacuzzi. Okay, a mikvah is a gathering or a collection of water. Anything that could be used for ceremonial cleansing. Okay, what's ceremonial cleansing? In the book of Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, specifically in chapter 11 and in chapter 15, it talks about certain things that can make people unclean. So when a person finds themselves unclean, they had to go through ceremonial cleansing. It was called tevila. Tevila is a full body immersion into water for the purpose of purity. For example, if I'm a Jewish man and I'm going along and I come in contact with a dead animal and because I'm curious, I pick it up and I touch it and I even smell it and I get it close to me, maybe even lick it, make sure it's still good, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, I am ceremonial, un, ceremonially unclean. I would have to perform a tevila in a mikvah. You guys hear what I'm saying? Or like if a little Jewish boy is kissed by a little Jewish girl out on the playground, all of a sudden, he's got cooties. And so he's going to know, need to jump into a mikvah. I'm totally lying on that one. That was just kidding. But listen, here's the deal. Everyone at some point, and I'm talking about the Jewish people, everyone at some point found them in the need to use a mikvah. Everyone had the need to experience tevila because life happens. True or false, life happens. No one was exempt from the potential of needing to be made clean. And so tevila in a mikvah was part of the rhythm of God's people. You guys hear what I'm saying? It's part of the rhythm. Some people even took it more serious than what was naturally part of the rhythm, uh, especially the priesthood, because they were required, different requirements for them as it relates to ceremonial cleansing. There were even those who were considered fanatic, but I can actually relate to them. All they wanted, their whole life was dedicated to being pure, to being clean. And so they would separate themselves and they would focus on that. In fact, have you, how many of you have ever heard of um, uh, the Dead Sea Scrolls? The Dead Sea Scrolls. The Dead Sea Scrolls were actually found in an area called Qumran. I was just there in uh, November. A fascinating place. Qumran is where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. But listen, not only um, they've excavated and they've tore the place all up. And so they found the sea scrolls, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls still finding Dead Sea Scrolls. But there's mikvahs everywhere. Like everywhere. And they even found this system that was coming from the mountains that would feed and fill up all of these mikvahs. Mikvahs everywhere. 
If you know anything about the scrolls, you know that most of the scrolls or transcriptions, the, these people would, would uh, rewrite the scroll of Isaiah or the scroll of Jeremiah. They would write them and copy them because they wanted to hide the word in their heart. But one of the things that you'll find in the, in the Dead Sea Scrolls are writings about what they philosophically believed about Tevila, about immersion, about purification, about ceremonial cleansing. Okay, so that community in Qumran followed God. They were followers of, of, of God. And what they did is they literally separated themselves from, from everybody else. Qumran was out by the Dead Sea. It was way outside of Jerusalem. And so they separated themselves from the rest of the world so that they could be as pure as possible. And they would daily baptize themselves. Daily hop in all those mikvahs. Okay, what's interesting is that a lot of historians believe that this community in Qumran was a group of people called the Essenes. How many of you ever heard of the Essenes? You've probably heard of it because most biblical scholars believe that John the Baptist was an Essene. And I don't have time to walk you through all the scriptures, scriptures and all the reasons that they believe that, but I tend to agree with them that John the Baptist was most likely an Essene, and that's why he used the idea of baptism to express someone's need for repentance. Okay, in fact, let's get back to our story. Look at verse 19 again. Let me recap this. The Pharisees came to John. They see, who are you? You know what I mean? And he said, well, I'm not the Christ. I know what you're getting at. I know what's happening. I'm not the Christ. And they said, well, if you're not the Christ, are you Elijah? Because they believed Elijah would come again. No, I'm not Elijah. Are you a prophet? No. Well, who are you? I'm the one crying out in the desert. When he said that, all of these people would have known him what he was talking about because that was an Old Testament prophecy that God would send someone ahead of Messiah to pave the way. So I am the voice of one calling in the desert. They were like, oh, wait, man, this is getting kind of weird, okay? And so he says, um, I'm not these guys. Then why are you baptizing? Great question. Why are you baptizing if you're not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet. Now listen, you gotta understand that John the Baptist was baptizing everybody. I mean, anybody and everybody. He was baptizing Gentiles. He was also baptizing Jews. In fact, he was mostly baptizing Jews. Why is that important? Because only the Pharisees, the ones that were checking up on him, only the Pharisees had the authority to baptize a Gentile into Judaism. You guys hear what I'm saying? They were the ones that had the authority, and they're like, what are you doing out here? Because he was mostly baptizing, you know, Jews, and he was baptizing Gentiles too. So the first thing is, is they were like, hey, you're not supposed to be doing this. But the other thing is, is they believed that the prophet or Elijah or Messiah was the only one that could bring about spiritual cleansing to the whole nation. It was, there was prophecies around that. A popular one would be in Ezekiel 36, where Ezekiel is speaking for God and said, God, God said, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your filthiness and from your idols. So they expected Messiah to come and bring a national cleansing, okay? And so they're, they're asking these questions. To them, this guy's breaking all the rules. You, you guys see that? Am I explaining this very well? This guy's out here breaking all the rules, baptizing Gentiles, baptizing Jews. What is up? That's why they wanted to know 
who he is. And so John the Baptist says, I, I baptize in water, but one who comes, he's among you. You don't know who he is, but he is actually going to come after me. I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But what he starts doing is he starts testifying about Jesus. He starts talking about Jesus. That's what he was doing the whole time. You, you got to see this too. That's what he had been preaching the whole time. Messiah's coming, people. You know he is. You need to prepare your hearts. You need to repent. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Repent for the kingdom of God is hand. He's preaching Jesus. He's preaching the gospel. But the, but the Pharisees didn't care about that. Did you notice that they didn't ask him about the message? They didn't ask him about the message that he was preaching. They didn't care about the Messiah message. People were always preaching about Messiah coming. Right? And there were even some that claimed that they were Messiah. And those people usually got themselves killed, right? That's why they killed Jesus. Because he claimed to be Messiah. So they were used to this. This wasn't a problem. What they weren't used to is seeing someone come, preach that message, and baptize people. That's a new one. And they're like, who are you and what are you doing? And that's really what I want to focus on tonight. Why did John focus on baptism of all things? Why couldn't he have chosen to be John, you know, the deed doer? Think about it. Messiah's coming. If you will just do all the right deeds, you will make it to heaven. He wasn't John the deed doer. What if he had been John the snake handler? Messiah's coming. Listen, if you will handle these snakes and if they should bite you and you survive, you'll get to go to heaven. But he wasn't John the snake handler either, right? Or what if he was John the tongue talker? Now, if you will just talk in tongues, then when Messiah comes, he will recognize your language and you will go up. Unless I'm being silly. I don't, I don't have a problem with talking in tongues. I don't have an, a problem with, you know, deed doing. I do have a problem with snake handling, obviously, for the right reasons. You, you guys hear what I'm saying? But think about it. John the Baptist chose baptizing. Why did he choose to be a baptizer? I think it's because he wanted the people to understand that what Tavila, okay, full immersion into a body of water for the sake of purity, had always been about God, to what, God, what it had always been about to God's people was about to change. It was about to become something way more personal and way more spiritual. It's more than ever. And I want to show you what I mean. Let's do a quick recap. You're probably going to want to take notes. Remember what we've already learned, real quick, that baptism or tevila was required for conversion back then. We learned that. But it was also required for purification. Here's my, a couple of things that you might consider tonight. That tevila, baptism, is still required for conversion, isn't it? We, that's what we've been preaching on the past couple of weeks. Anyone that has put their faith in Jesus, trusted their entire life, must be baptized. The last commission that he gave his disciples, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is required for conversion. That's why so many people are being baptized. Maybe they've been baptized before, and they just didn't even understand what the whole thing about. They were told to be baptized, but now they're like, now I am following Jesus, and I want to be baptized. Or maybe they've been following the Lord for a while. They just never had the opportunity to be, opportunity to be baptized. So the first thing is, tevila is still required for conversion. But listen to me carefully. Because this is the point tonight. Tevila, baptism, is still required for purification. And I'm going to need you to dial in to understand what I'm saying. We are living in or walking in 
the new covenant. True or false? We are in the new covenant, the covenant of love. We call it the covenant of grace. The new covenant is a fulfillment of the old covenant, which was also called the law of Moses, okay? Everything about the old covenant somehow pointed to either the person or work of Jesus. And most of the time, it pointed to both at the very same time. One of the greatest examples of that is in the system of worship that God set up for Israel in the desert. It was called the sacrificial system. How many of you have heard of it? You all have, but you're lazy and you don't want to raise your hands. It was called the sacrificial system. And this system was performed in a physical structure called the tabernacle. Later, it was performed in a structure called the temple, right? Okay, so this system was designed by God to teach the people how to approach him in his temple. Okay, what have we been learning since the beginning of the year? That we are a temple, right? First Peter, that we are being built up as a holy house, a holy dwelling, spiritual house, that we are a temple of his Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. So the Old Testament system of approaching God should teach us something about how to approach him now that we're walking in the New Testament, now that he literally lives in our hearts, right? Shouldn't it? Guess what? It does. And I'm going to show you how. I wish I had hours to teach you about this. I don't. So I'm going to teach you of one component of that sacrificial system that is very important for tonight, okay? And that is the brazen laver. The brazen or the bronze laver. You might be thinking, what is that? The laver was this big bowl of water that the priest used as part of their worship, as part of their progression into the deeper and holier places of God. Okay, this laver, they would use it, but they were coming directly from the altar of sacrifice where they were killing all the bulls and, and slaughtering the lambs and the goats and all that stuff, okay? So they were coming directly from the altar where they were handling bloody animals and where they're constantly walking through blood-soaked dirt. Can you get that picture? There's blood everywhere. Now, remember, I kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier that death... Death, being in contact with death, brought defilement. Do you you understand? Are y'all listening? Not too much? Okay, good. Death brought defilement. So before they could enter into the holy place, before they could have a deeper expression of their worship, they were required to wash their hands at this laver, at this big bowl. They were also required to wash that bloody dirt off of their feet. If they didn't do this, there were consequences, okay? So the priest knew, we got to head to the labor. We got to wash our hands. We got to wash our feet. What's your point, Tony? What's your, what's your point? Here's my point, you guys. I wanted to show the zestfully clean commercial to you, but I couldn't. Because as old as it was, you could see all kinds of skin. And not just how they presented the skin, what they were hinting at. I was like, well, I almost saw a little something right there. You know what I mean? My point is, is that I went to the store for my wife the other day to get some groceries. And while I'm waiting in line, I saw all kinds of stuff I really probably shouldn't have seen just in the magazine rack in the checkout line. That's not including all the booty crack that I saw throughout the store. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) It's like, why can't people just put on appropriate attire to go shopping? It's like, I should not be seeing half the stuff I'm seeing here at Walmart. Last week we talked about, you guys remember. Or what about every time me and my family go into Dallas, 
how many triple X store signs do I see along the way? How many times am I seeing the cabaret this or the strip club that? You guys hear what I'm saying? That's my point. I am walking in a world that is defiled. And I can't help but get my feet soiled from time to time. Am I the only one? It's like, yes, I'm alive in Christ, but sometimes I come in contact with death. Don't want to, but I live in this world. It's a real world with real stuff going on around me. Yes, I'm alive in Christ, but I come in contact with death all the time. Is it possible that God has made a provision for me and for you in this new covenant to have a continual baptism? Surely there's a way to have a daily uh, uh, tavila in my life, to wash away that, that junk that gets on me as I'm walking and living on this world. Surely there's a way. Yes, there is. Let's look back at John. Go all the way to the top. You ready? Let's all read that first line together, even if our translations don't line up. Jesus can read multiple books at the same time. Ready? John chapter 1, verse 1, all the way up to the top. We're already in John 1. You ready? Let's read it together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now I'm going to keep reading. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that is in being, has come into being. Verse 4 says, in him was life. And life, that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So I read that today, and I, I mean, I literally started doing my dance. You guys know? I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm talking about. That's what I need. Death is all around me, but I've been baptized. So now I'm dead to sin. Remember, we've talked about now I'm alive in Christ. I've been raised in the likeness of Christ through baptism. I'm walking in this world in the power of his resurrection, the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what he said. In him was life. Death all around me, yeah, but in him was life. Life to the full. That life was the light of men. But what does that have to do with daily washing the defilement of the world off of my hands and feet? In the beginning was the word. Okay, what does that have to do with daily cleansing? Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. A little bit further down the road there in the New Testament. And most of you are going to be familiar with this because you hear it in weddings. If you've ever done any kind of marriage counseling, maybe you've heard that. Or if you have a, a, a really good preacher like me and I talk about it all the time. Look what it says. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why did he, and it answers the question, but I'm asking you, why did Jesus give himself up for his church? Why, why would he do that? Oh, it tells you. So that he might sanctify her, which just means to set her apart from the world. To set her apart from that old life and bring the newness of life. Again, we talked about that. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her, check this out, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. Jesus is cleansing 
his bride as we walk in this world. How? By washing her with the water of his word. That goes on to say in verse 27, that he might present to himself. In other words, it's important to him. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory. Not half glory, quarter glory, third glory, but all of her glory. Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she would be holy and blameless. Another word that you could use in place of those two is that she could be pure. Did you know that we can have, that we do have a daily mikvah? You hearing me? We have a daily mikvah, God's word. And, and, and you ever heard somebody, let's dive in. You ever heard me say that? Let's dive in tonight. What are we diving into? We're diving into this uh, prescribed mikvah of God that's designed to get the dirt and the grime of the world and the death that we've come in contact off our feet, off our hands. But it goes all the way up, off our hearts. And we know in Romans 12, it says that it even has the ability to wipe it away completely from our mind because we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do that? With with new facts, new information, new stuff. Every day we can have a tevila in Yeshua. I like that. I'm thinking about a t-shirt. A tevila in Yeshua. I love that by diving into his word. What did we say tonight? You're not fully clean unless you're Yeshua clean. Unless you're being washed in the water of his word. Now, let me, let me clarify that statement. Am I in Christ? Yes. Am I right with God based upon Jesus' righteousness? Yes. Do I need to get saved every week and baptized once a year? No. Are there times when I need to get the bloody dust of the world off my hands and feet? Yes. How do I do that? Investing in reading, memorizing, and meditating on God's word. Most, if you've ever tried it in any other way, what you have found is it doesn't work. Those of you who have tried it the way that God prescribed, jump in the mikvah. You know it works. You're a lot different than you were. I'm a lot different than the day I was baptized, the day I got saved. The day I was filled with the Holy Spirit, that was a lot of years ago. And it's a lot of word later. And I'm a pretty different person. But I can't stop because I'm not who God has called me to ultimately be. So I dive into his mikvah most every day. And I let it do what it's meant to do. Cleanse me. Wash away the dirt. Wash away the grime. Renew my mind. Why the word? Let me end with this. Write these things down. Why the word? Because the word proclaims who God is. We need reminders of who God is. How awesome he is. How amazing he is. We need those reminders. Amen. Amen. Why the word? Because the word of God affirms who I am. Last week we talked about how Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Constantly, day and night, accusing us before God. God's like, shut up, Satan. This guy is a new man. And the word affirms me of that. He who began a good work in you 
will be faithful to complete it, right? God works all things for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Man, I can rally around that kind of truth. Where do I get that kind of truth? Well, from the five and dime. No, from the word, from the mikvah. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Why the word? Because it reminds me of what is right. It reminds me of what is right. And you know what else it does? When we submit this to the Holy Spirit, as I read, it will also, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, convict me of what is wrong. Sin. Right? It also teaches me how to live. Teaches me how to live. And ultimately, it transforms me by the Spirit. Amen. I want you to stand. I'm going to read one more scripture. And this is in Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 22, I don't think I put it up on the screen. I wanted to, I think I forgot. I'm just gonna read this and then we're going to sing a song. I'm gonna give you a few moments just to respond to the Lord. And then we're gonna, do, we're gonna end tonight with some baptisms. But let me read this to you. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. And listen to what it says. Let us draw near to God. Already we're talking tabernacle language. Already we're talking priesthood language. Let us draw near or let us approach God. Let us jump in the stream here and approach God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, meaning we believe it works, having our hearts sprinkled with blood to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This whole thing, remember Hebrews was written to Jewish people to help them explain the whole Jesus is Messiah thing. And he's using familiar Jewish language. Let us draw near to God. Oh, he's talking about the tabernacle stuff. And let us focus on that we have been sprinkled by the blood of the lamb and we have been washed clean as the priests would wash their hands and their feet as they would go further and further into intimacy and worship. So we can go further and further with God. Some of you, it's it's been your heart cry to go further and further with the Lord. And you've done this and you've done that. Maybe you've handled some snakes. I don't know what you're doing. But what the prescription is, Old Testament and New Testament, is to be washed with the water of his word. Amen. Here's what I wanted to do. Let's lift a hand to the Lord. Do you guys remember the last scene? We're going to talk about this at the Seder, the, one of the last things that, that Jesus said to his disciples was, um, do all this in remembrance of me and all that stuff. Do you remember one of the things Jesus did that night? He got down and washed their feet. And he's like, Jesus, don't be washing my feet. Peter's like, don't be washing my feet, dude. Look at my feet. Look at these toenails. You, Messiah, don't need to be washing my feet. Y'all burning calories? Okay. And Jesus said, hey, man, if I don't wash you, it ain't gonna be good for you. And Ultimately, Peter said, then don't just wash my feet, but wash all of me. So let's make that our prayer as we jump back into worshiping the Lord with song, worshiping him through, witnessing some baptisms tonight. Just put your hand up high. If they're burning, that means it's working. That's what my coach used to tell me. If it's burning, that means it's working. Lord, we surrender to you tonight, and we say not just our hands, not just our feet, 
all of us, every place that needs you to come and cleanse us with the washing of your word. Nothing else has worked, God. Your word has proven to have the ability to wash us clean. And Lord, we confess to you right now that our eyes have seen too many things, that our little eyes have not been careful, that our little ears have not been careful what we've heard. We've seen, heard, touched, smelt, experienced things that we wished that we hadn't. But we know that you can not only wash us clean, but transform our mind. You are the one that has told us that that you um, separate us from our sins and you remember them no more. And Lord, you help us walk to a level of maturity where those things that we have been and done and said also no longer affect us. We're no longer slaves to sin. We're no longer slaves to death. We're no longer slaves to fear. We're no longer slaves to those things that hold us bound. And Lord, we're standing right here pushing through the pain of having our arms lifted high because we believe that this sacrifice is a sacrifice of praise. And we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name.